Jen, it's Monday night, and I know there's something that made you do a spit take. What'd you disagree with this week? So I know it's July, right? Mid-July, not a lot going on. I'm so annoyed with the whole fat Lenny that, that appeared today. Like, it's just, it's so absolutely ridiculous. I will say this, though. If, if people are going to actually not draft Leonard Fournette because they think he's overweight right now in July, I'm down with it because I do think that his ADP is a little high. So if, if he falls, I'm cool with that as far as from a personal perspective. But at the same time, I'm just so tired of the clickbait stuff with that. It, it's pretty annoying. It, it happens every year with these guys. And you look at like Derrick Henry is like 260. So why can't Lenny be 260? I don't know. It just the whole thing bothers me. That's where I'm at. Um, I just hope we can move on to actual football news. I love it. I love it. We're going to get uh, talking about that again, probably here in a little bit as we do our NFC South preview. Uh, but before we get too much into that, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me is my excellent co-host, Jen Aiken. Jen, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm hanging in. A little hot, I have to say. It's uh, We reached triple digits in Denver today, which I'm uh, not a big fan of. So uh, a little hot, a little agitated because I don't like being hot. Other than that, though, I am well. We have Jeff today. How are you, Jeff? I am great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's it's hot down here in the Carolinas as well, but it's it's you know we're kind of used to that. It's uh, it's hot and humid, but usually we get like an afternoon thunderstorm or something like that to kind of cool off a little bit. But but yeah, I'm good. Thanks in, for having uh, me on. I grew up in Oregon. I'm excited to have you on, Jeff. Uh, Chris is on vacation this week, a well-deserved break. Uh, but so we're excited that Jeff is going to capably fill in, help us talk about the NFC South. I know Jeff is a big Carolina Panthers fan. Uh, I, I just want to say with the rain, I remember I used to live in North Carolina, but I grew up in Oregon and North Carolina was the first time somebody ever said to me, hold on, let's wait out the rain. Like it started raining and yeah. we were going to go somewhere. And they're like, no, 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 let's give it a few minutes. And I was baffled by this concept, but sure enough, a downpour, and then minutes later, it was passed and sunny again. It was crazy. <laughs> yep, that's part of living in the South, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it happens. You know, it might rain, and then you're you're good. It might rain at eleven o'clock, and you're fine for two o'clock. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, listeners, please follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Hazley, H A S E L E Y, and catch all the stuff at Football Guys. Also, be sure to check out Carolina Fandom. Uh, that's Jeff's video podcast. I love it. It's uh, got a Twitter account. It's got great guests. They're a little bit on hiatus right now until uh, things actually start happening and, and there's things to talk about, but they'll be back and check it out. It's uh, one of my favorite new things to, to go back and watch. They've got great draft content. Uh, Jeff, normally I'd ask you a question about your favorite team, but you're a Panthers fan and we're going to talk Panthers anyway today. So uh, I'm not going to step on it. Instead, I'm going to read an ad and I'm going to talk about best ball because that's what I've been doing. I've been uh, drafting tons of puppies until the puppy filled out and now i'm drafting uh best ball mania again and uh over at underdog and uh folks if you want to get in and do some of those best ball drafts we have an excellent promo code over at underdog fantasy you deposit ten dollars in a new underdog account get a deposit bonus match plus a four for four pro subscription just enter four for four that's four f-o-r four in the promo code box as I mentioned today, we're going to talk uh, NFC South division. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start our division previews. We're going to try to hit one a week as we get closer to the season. We'll see if that becomes a truncated timeline and we have to double up. But for now, 
we're going to be able to go in depth on all four of these awesome teams. Jen, why don't you lead us off? Sure. Uh, let's, let's start with the Saints, shall we? Uh, you know, <clears throat> so first I want to talk about Alvin Kamara because I feel like, you know, there's so many like differing opinions. You know, there's lawyers that have come out with these big threads and there's other people talking about all this stuff. And I, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things we don't really know what to do with him, right? Because we've heard six game suspension. We've heard no suspension. So now, you know, his trial or not the trial, I'm sorry, the, they're putting it off till August to find out kind of even whatever, right? So right now we're kind of in limbo. We have no idea. His ADP right now, he's a third rounder. He's leaving his RB15. Um, his ADP is 34. I mean, Jeff, how are you feeling about Kamara? Are you drafting him at his ADP? Are you banking on him not serving a suspension? How so I, I'm actually not really buying the dip on Kamara. Um, it scares me a little bit. The, mm -hmm. the threat of a suspension has to come from somewhere. And usually when there's smoke, there's some fire in that regard. The fact, though, that we haven't heard about anything yet it might be good news. But I still think that there, there may be already a decision made by the NFL to have an idea what they're going to do. And they just haven't said it yet. Uh, I don't know if that's if that's if they do that, you know, behind closed doors. But it seems like they do. Um, so I have not really been. Uh, focusing much attention towards Kamara this year in drafts. Usually he goes at a, at a place in the draft that is too high for me to take him. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I tend to kind of shy away. Someone else is drafting him before I can even think, you know what, there's a good value right there. I mean, this is not the, this is not your, your Drew Brees Saints team. They're not going to have 5,000 yards passing. I mean, we're probably looking at, 4,000, 4,100 yards passing with Winston. And if he gets hurt, I mean, they got Andy Dalton, a, a, a possible, uh, you know, helper, at least in terms of the quarterback position. But this isn't this isn't Drew Brees and it's not even Sean Payton, his team. Right. So there's still some question marks about how that offense is going to roll. And I think we kind of started to see that last year. I mean, Kamara had one of his worst years that, that he's had. Right. So um, I'm kind of not buying into the the Saints offense that much. I mean, there's certain players that I'm I'm kind of sort of targeting from there. I mean, I really like Chris Olave. I think he could make some noise, but I'm not really going out of my way. If I have him as like a wide receiver four or five in, in redraft or best ball, that's you know, I'm I'm fine with that. But um yeah, I, I'm not really putting a lot of emphasis in in Saints players that I'm targeting as guys that I would feel comfortable starting. I I just don't. I'm I'm not that way. Are you guys the same? I uh I I, I like him okay, but I'm gonna let somebody else worry about him. That's kind of <laughs> where I am. You know, it's it's there's the suspension, which is a concern. Uh, I mm -hmm. I I'll echo everything you just said about the Saints' offense. Uh, I'm really worried about Dennis Allen being the head coach. That that really concerns me. His his mm -hmm. track record as a head coach isn't exactly great, and you know you got to wonder if the shift in philosophy is going to be uh, a big factor there with Jameis. Uh, behind center the way they kicked off last year Pete Carmichael is still there calling plays theoretically but how much of that was Sean Payton how much of this is Pete Carmichael so I'm concerned for the same reasons you are about the offense in general and then Alvin Kamara's 27 and coming off back issues like he had back issues early last year uh, he's been nicked up the last couple of years he was limited to 13 games last season and if he's not getting touchdowns and not getting a ton of receptions, he's not super effective. Like he's not one of those guys who's going to get the volume in the run game. We're going to see Mark Ingram. 
we're going to see him as part of the offense, regardless of whether or not Kamara is healthy. So I'm much rather wait and kind of stash Ingram on the back end of my roster and let somebody else worry about Kamara this year. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, you know, and and is also his yards per carry is going down too, which is kind of indicative of of what we've seen here recently from him over the last half half season or so. Mm-hmm. So too many question marks in my opinion on that offense, and we haven't really even talked about Michael Thomas yet and his uncertainty. Yeah, that so, was I was getting I was getting to that next. What I was okay. going to say though before before we get into the the, the receiving, um, for me as far as Kamara goes. Looking at the guys going around him, I'd rather have Pitts, Connor, Travis, Etienne. They all have the same ADP, and I would rather go that route. I will say, though, if you want to invest in, in Alvin Kamara and you, you believe in him, even you believe in that offense or whatever, I'm not normally one to you know handcuff my own guys, but I feel like if, in redraft, <clears throat> it might be smart if you're going to grab Kamara to actually grab, grab Michael or uh, Mark Ingram, I mean later, you know, in the 16th round, and then you can drop Ingram after the first six weeks, you know, if there is a suspension. Normally, I'm not into that, you know, the, the self-handcuffs, but I feel like in this specific instance, you might want to cover your bases if you want to invest in Tamara and go that route. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, to the pass passing options. We did talk about the rookie Chris Olave a little bit. Let's talk about Michael Thomas. I mean, he right now, he is a seventh rounder. Uh, he's leaving draft boards as wide receiver 40. So, I mean, me personally, I'm going to go first just because I, I have strong feelings. Thomas has burned me two seasons in a row. I am 100% out. <laughs> I have zero Michael Thomas. I will have zero Michael Thomas by the time the uh, for week one starts. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of out on him as well. I mean, just the uncertainty of his ability to flash that same explosive uh, play that we saw before. I mean, that's what two years ago that we, you know, kind of saw him at his prime and he's a much different player now. It's like he has to learn how to run routes and, and be explosive again. And and that might not even be possible. I mean, it's it's one thing for a receiver to say, I'm back, I'm fine, I'm good. Well, you might be good back and fine, but do you have the same skills that you did before? You know, I I don't know. When I say skills, I mean like the ability to make like fast cuts or, um, you know, just be able to make, make, make plays that he would, he would have no problems making before. Can he do that again? I I don't know. The fact that there is uncertainty there is enough of a yellow flag for me to be like, "Mm, I'm not sure. I'm again, like, like you said, Brandon, I'm going to let somebody else worry about this. So yeah, I'm sort of out on Michael Thomas. I mean, could he get like 68, 70, even 75 catches that that's possible, I guess, in this offense, if he's the top guy, but I think that might be kind of his ceiling. I, I don't really see that as a as a floor at all. So I think we're lucky if he gets that. And a thousand yards, I think we'd be over the moon if he got that. I, I just don't see him bouncing back to where he was before. I, I just don't, especially with the, the video evidence that kind of came out recently with his ankle. And that wasn't just some ordinary ankle injury, too. That was a tough, tough high ankle sprain that had some uh, – some, Maybe some also uh, uh, oh shoot complications after the fact. So usually when something like that happens, it's not the same ankle. And you know if he can't play like he used to, well, we're gonna see it in his numbers. I uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I uh, eighth round, you know, is tempting. Like I'm tempted <laughs> looking at the eighth round because the, we are talking about the wide receiver one in 2019. We are talking mm-hmm. about that. Uh, but you know, there's no Drew Brees as you mentioned. And then Jarvis Landry is a factor here for me because Jarvis Landry is going to play in the slot. 
And Michael Thomas coming off that injury, the issue that you concern that concerns me is when press coverage, because he's going to have to play outside, whereas he used to line up in the slot quite a bit. Uh, he's going to have to play outside for him to separate. He's going to have to beat press coverage and he's going to have to beat guys jamming him at the line and mm -hmm. use that ankle to get open quick for those quick step drops that Pete Carmichael is going to run with Jameis Winston. I think Jarvis Landry is going to get those routes and those uh, be lining up in the spot where Michael Thomas might be best used at this point. And I think that's going to render Thomas, uh, you know, be a very difficult transition for him coming off that injury if he has to line up outside. So uh, I'd much rather gamble on later round Jarvis Landry and Chris Alave. Yeah, I mean, Landry is, is an 11th rounder right now. So, you know, you can get him three, four rounds later. Uh, so I, I agree with you there. Um, I guess we should talk about Jameis since we're here um, in, the, in the Saints. Uh, you know, I, I just don't <laughs> – you know, it's tough with him, right? Because I'm one of those people that I think uh, won a championship, you know, with Jameis in Tampa Bay a couple seasons ago. So 30 you know for 30. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know he's got it in him, but does he? Like, I just don't know what to do about him. Right now he's QB 19. He's a 13th rounder and underdog. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've grabbed some Andy Dalton uh, in the last round of, of some best ball drafts uh, just, you know, because I don't know that a, he's going to keep that job and B he's going to stay healthy. Are you guys uh, into Jameis this season in, in any format or, or how, how are we feeling? Well, I mean, I kind of alluded to this earlier saying that I didn't think the offense was going to be that, great. It's not the 5,000 yard offense that we've seen from Drew Brees. It's, it's not. And I think that's, that's something to be concerned about with Winston and the entire offense in general. I mean, it, it kind of goes through him. So if we're projecting him, like I said, maybe 4,000 yards passing 25 touchdown passes, uh, you know, that's kind of a very pedestrian type of offense. And then you, you're, you've got players who are making plays off of that, that offense it just doesn't, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't spell, uh, you know, fantasy appeal in, in my opinion. So I'm kind of, and we don't even know really if, if he's going to have any compensatory injuries, you know, coming off that uh, ACL tear. So, I mean, there's that concern as well. You know, it just doesn't do enough for me. It's Winston, the whole Saints offense just doesn't do it for me really. I, I feel like with Winston and Landry and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara on this team, like I'm going to draft all of them and win every single one of my 2019 leagues this year. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, is it yeah. possible that LASIK Winston sees all those defenders and is like, wait a minute, all these guys are trying to kill me. You got to be kidding me. This has been happening for years. Right. I I, you know, I, I, it's possible that he comes in and Pete Carmichael opens the, the offense up and they throw a ton and Jabez Winston is back to approaching 5,000 yards and he sees defenders better and doesn't throw as many picks. Uh, but I'm not buying it. I just don't think that's, I think that there's too many good quarterback options, especially in one quarterback leagues to have oh, Jabez yeah. Winston, even on my, even on my draft board, like in two quarterback leagues, I'll gamble on him late, but I, in one quarterback leagues, he's just not even on my board. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, they lost Teron Armstead, their top left yeah. tackle, so they've got offensive line questions as well. Um, Saints know, could be bad. They, they, could be they really actually bad. could be. I, I'm, that's, I was going to kind of say, hey, if there's going to be a surprise team in the NFL, a surprise in like a bad or a negative way, perhaps it's the Saints. I mean, Might be. new coach, not, not a great just, coach. I can't yeah, find I my – 
I did a, I did my kicker research for an article the other day and I had all the lines um, and I know New Orleans is down there as far as like projected wins and, and spreads and stuff. But I, of course, I can't find it right now. But uh, yeah, they're not, I don't think they're going to be very good. I mean, they're not going to be the worst, but uh, I think they're not going to be great. If you I, throw I in a, a, a Camara suspension and, and Ingram is like not good, that team's going to have some real challenges. This whole, I mean, listen, I know you're a Panthers fan and whatnot, but this whole division is crap. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, none of these teams are going to be good. Like let's, let's be, let's be for real for us. No, second. absolutely. I'm, um, I'm with you there. There's, there's not a lot of, of great, uh, except for the box, of course, but you know, that's, yeah. we, we kind of knew that going in. I think one of these teams is going to be better than we think. I don't think I don't think we're going to get two playoff teams out of this play. I'm no. not going that crazy, but I do think one of these teams, probably the Panthers, will sniff around like we'll eight nine wins kind of thing and surprise everybody. That's what I think. Um, Enough for Matt Rule to keep his job. May, hopefully not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to Matt Rule. But yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, I let's let's talk Falcons. Let's go to the Falcons. That's another team. I think they could surprise people by not being terrible. I don't I think, think they're, they're going to surprise people by being good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I see. Uh, I see terrible. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And yet I think I just want this. I want this, Jen. I want Marcus Listen, Mariota. And, and I get it. I absolutely get, I get the, the heart over the mind. I absolutely get it. Um, but I think when you look at the facts and you actually look at this team, I don't think they're going to be very good. I think it's going to be a rough, rebuilding season but let's talk mm -hmm. fantasy wise go ahead so let's 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 go quarterback because <laughs> marcus Mariota is a guy i am looking at i'm looking at him when i'm uh when i'm punting the position early uh especially in two quarterback one quarterback though i'm still stashing him as a as a second quarterback if i don't get an elite one early uh because of the running factor. Like the last time we saw him, he ran the ball a lot. Now he also struggles to stay healthy. He may not win the starting job. Desmond Ritter is definitely working and showing up in camp, but uh, all those things, there's still for the cost of Marcus Mariota, which is the very end of drafts in one quarterback leagues. I, I don't mind stashing him and thinking maybe he might be able to put it together this year. He, he looked pretty good with the Raiders and he's never been bad. He's just not healthy. So he already knows this offense. Uh, he runs with the ball, has that Konami code aspect. So I, I'm kind of interested in Mariota. Um, Jeff, do you have any interest in these quarterbacks? Am I crazy? <laughs> um, I, like you said, there is a little bit of intrigue there simply because we've seen what he can do. We know what he did was in college. Um, and he also has a little bit of a rushing side to him. And we all know that if a quarterback has a rushing side to him as a dual threat, they could become fantasy relevant fairly quickly, especially if they can develop some sort of a passing game and they're in an offense that, that uh, succeeds. The question, though, is, is he in an offense that can succeed? And can he be, can he be the, that quarterback who can win games with his arms or with his arm, excuse me, and also with his legs too, right? So I'm I'm a little bit concerned there. Also, the fact that Desmond Ritter is waiting. How long of a leash is is Mariota going to have on that team? You know, if he has a couple uh, a couple bad games in a row, are they looking at perhaps moving Desmond Ritter in to see what they can do? Um, you know, and, and therefore the investment in Mariota is gone essentially. But I mean. He's not that much of a risk. You, you, you take him late, like you mentioned, 
And maybe he works out. If he doesn't, you drop him for the player that it is available that you want to add to your team, right? So there is there is some intrigue just because of what, what he can potentially do. But you know, shoot, he's got to he's got to do it on the field. And and we already know that Atlanta is, is kind of on the outside looking in in terms of uh, any kind of fantasy relevant type of offense. Jen, uh, do you think that I, I I just wanted to stick with Mariota for a second? Um, Drake London, Cordero Patterson, Kyle Pitts, like this is a better group of uh, of ta- of pass catchers to work <laughs> with than I think he's ever had. Right, because he he missed the AJ Brown era, so he didn't really have great receivers in Tennessee to work with. And then uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller were solid in in, in you know Las Vegas, but he wasn't yeah. he didn't get a lot of opportunity there. I don't think that's really the issue, though. I think it's more about him as a quarterback. I think it's more about a his ability to stay healthy and b just his talent as a quarterback. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean. <clears throat> Like you said, sure, like in a super flex or in best ball, maybe. I, I, but yeah, in redraft leagues, he's not even on the radar for me. I just don't think, I just don't think this team is going to be very good. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be in the position to score a lot. Um, I just looked real quick while you guys were talking. <clears throat> so the Falcons are projected to win not, or I'm sorry, lose um, nine <laughs> nine games by at least five points. And they have seven games where they their team implied total is less than 20. So mm. that's a lot. I mean, they're not even projected to score 20 points in seven of these games this season. <laughs> so Vegas doesn't think they're going to be very good. I don't think they're going to be very good. I will say, though, there are, I mean, if we move on past Mariota, there are, you know, obviously players on this team that I would take for fantasy purposes. They're not a complete wash, you know, as yeah. far as the fantasy world goes. I just, uh, Mariota, I just feel like there's a lot of better options out there uh, than Mariota. And look, you know, he may surprise me and I could uh, eat crow all season. But uh, in my, I just don't see it. Yeah, I've got a little bit of bias, uh, the Oregon bias in me. So I I will admit that that's Ah, there. There it is. There it is. (laughs) So so the heart is there. Why are you fighting so hard for Mariota? I get it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Listen, I get it. uh, Is Cordero Patterson one of those pieces that you are interested in? I am, depending on where he goes. Uh, I think he's starting to fall a little bit this summer, which has been nice. Because uh, he was, you know, kind of in a, in a higher uh, ADP bracket, he's starting to fall. A lot of people do not believe in, uh, you know, that he can repeat. And I think it'll be difficult to, you know, do exactly what he did last year. And I don't think that they're planning on using him the same. I don't know. At the moment, he hasn't been practicing at all. They've given him this entire summer off at the moment uh, to recuperate from the, you know, insane workload that he did have last season. So uh, he will be fresh once it is time to play. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the rookie, uh, Tyler Algier, I think he's someone that uh, could be a problem for Patterson, depending on, on what happens in training camp and whatnot. Um, he is someone that I do like to target later in drafts because uh, I feel like he's going to end up, you know, if Patterson's body breaks down as the season goes along, which it tends to do in older, older backs or hybrid, I guess, is what we want to call him, whatever. But, uh, you know, historically, as the season goes along, they do tend to break down a little bit. So I think Tyler Algier is someone that may not start out as a great fantasy asset, but I think he's going to come on later as rookie running backs tend to do. Jeff, are you interested in Patterson and Algier and uh, any hope for Damian Williams? So I kind of am interested in Cordero Patterson, especially as like an RB3 or RB4. 
I mean, he's like the 32nd running back going off the board right now, which is not that bad when you look at his numbers last year, which is kind of like a mini Christian McCaffrey type of a production where he had like, uh, let's see exactly what he had. He had um, 618 rushing yards, uh, 52 catches, 548 yards receiving, and a total of 11 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's not too bad, right? That's that's a guy that you can have in your running back role, right? In your running back slot. And he's also putting up like mild wide receiver numbers and he's getting touchdowns. So if Atlanta can, continues to use him like they did last year, I think that yes, he's a he's a big buy and a, a great uh a, a great deal at where you could potentially get him, right? So and if you look at their running back room, you know, you've got You've got some some questions there. You've got Algier, which you know, I like it. The guy was a walk-on in college, and he was a, uh, a a nominee for the Brandon Bullsworth Award, right? Which is the top uh, the, the the top player in college that was a former walk-on, right? So uh, good on him for that. And he's got the ability to catch passes too. But he you know he's young. It, it sometimes it takes these running backs a while to to uh, get acclimated. Patterson, he's right now, he's their guy. I mean, Damian Williams, yeah, maybe he could, right? But we're a, a year, year and a half away, right, from his uh, last big moment when he was, what was it, the, um, in the at Super least. Bowl, right? Yeah, at least yeah. we're at least a year and a half. <laughs> exactly, right? So, yeah, because he sat out 2020 with COVID. So that was yeah. 2019. Yeah. So, so Patterson, in my opinion, I, I think he could be a player that could be an every week starter for your fantasy team that you can get you know, as you're running back three or four and be able to get perhaps even running back one or running back two numbers out of them. If those touchdowns keep up, you know, this is not a Matt Ryan offense. It's not. So there might be some question marks there, but still um, Patterson, in my opinion, I think he's a deal. Yeah. You know, eighth round right now and dropping like, like Jen mm-hmm. said, uh, it's, he's been dropping uh, his ADP. All those camp reports are all, Oh, we're going to, uh, load back on his workload and then uh, they talk about you know he faded down the stretch and he's definitely not getting uh, the kind of love you would expect for his production last year uh, what about the pass catchers Jeff we'll uh, start with Kyle Pitts let's start with Kyle Pitts I'm a little out of order on my show sheet but he's going as the kind of the consensus third tight end right now uh, you need an early fourth round pick a late third round pick to get him uh, is he worth the cost Jeff are you buying Kyle Pitts I don't think he's worth the cost just simply because of where the offense is and the fact that this is, you know, an offense that's what going to have maybe 24, 25 touchdowns uh, passes uh, this season. Yeah. And he had one touchdown last year with Matt Ryan. And now they're getting a downgrade at, at quarterback. Now, I mean, there's some touchdown regression that's most likely going to happen. He's not a one touchdown catch guy. Um, but at the same time, you know, this offense is going to have to get into the red zone and produce in order for him to, you know, come away with those big numbers, six, seven, eight touchdowns maybe a thousand yards if we're, if we're lucky that he can get right. So he's going to be the top guy on that offense. He's going to be the top target. But now the question is though, you know, how many red zone opportunities is he going to have? How many punts is this team going to have? Because if they're punting, they're not scoring. And uh, that's kind of where I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about Kyle Pitts ADP, because if you, if you get him at his ADP currently right now, then you're hoping that he has, the season that uh, you want him to have, you know, and you're taking them into the fact here that Atlanta is just, I mean, it's not the offense that it was last year. 
And he really, he kind of disappointed a little bit last year, considering how high expectations were. So I'm kind of out on Kyle Pitts. I know a lot of people love him, and that's great, and that's wonderful. But at, at ADP, that's just too high for me, in my opinion. Yeah, love the talent, hate the cost. I'm right with you. Uh, Jen, so I know you're just like me. You don't pay up for tight end. But uh, Kyle Pitts needs to be around better than George Kittle and Darren Waller. Is that possible? If you are a Kyle Pitts guy, can you justify uh, can you justify that he's around better than Kittle and Waller? I mean, sure. I mean, I guess I could see a path to that happening. I mean, he's he's going to get a lot of targets, right? He's going to get a lot of targets at, as both a tight end and a receiver. Technically, in that offense, he's going to line up all, in all kinds of different places. So, I guess I can see it uh, in, in a any type of PPR format because he is probably going to see a lot of balls. Uh, there's not a lot in that offense. Uh, after him, you have a, a rookie, Drake London. Uh, you know, you have Brian Edwards, which, you know, I've been waiting for Brian Edwards to happen, and I got suckered back in, and I have – I've actually been drafting him this even, season, even though I vowed that I wouldn't because um, I get suckered into him every season no matter where he goes for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could you could squint and see a path to him being around better than those guys, but it depends on the situation. I've taken pits a few times. Uh, but I certainly am not uh, I'm not going to be overweight on him at all in any format. So you mentioned London. London's going right around Lockett and Michael Thomas, actually, as is the other guy that's going right around that same ADP, Russell Gage. Uh, is is London worth the risk at that ADP? Like that's a it's it's not expensive or it's not cheap or expensive, but it's it's you know, it's it's an investment to take him there in the seventh, eighth round, uh, a rookie receiver on a bad offense. What do you think of Drake London, Jen? I'm, I don't think I've, I've drafted very much of him. I think, uh, you know, when you're looking side-by-side -side comparison and opportunity cost, I would rather have someone in a better offense. I would rather have Russell Gage, where you know Chris Godwin is, is, is you know, going to be not around in the beginning. He's probably going to be, you know, with Gronk gone, Gage is probably going to be the second look in that offense, a good offense with a good quarterback, a, a great, you know, possible GOAT, Hall of Fame, all that crap quarterback. So I would rather have somebody there on that kind of an offense than gamble on a, you know, unproven rookie in an offense where they're not really, you know, they're not going to be very good. Yeah, I also kind of like the running backs in that territory. Jeff, um, go ahead if you have anything on Drake London, but I was going to ask you if you're interested in any of the other pass catchers as uh, kind of late round dart throws if you have a favorite one in Atlanta. Yeah, so what Jen said, I completely agree with. I mean, if, if I had my choice over London or Russell Gage, I'd take Gage, you know, on the better offense and in the slot role with Tom Brady. Hello, that's like, got to have that. Um, but what if London comes in and he takes a little bit of time to uh, get his bearings right with the NFL? Maybe he struggles on press coverage. Um, maybe it just takes him a while. Sometimes we see that. We saw that with A.J. Brown, right? It took him what week nine or week 10 of his rookie season to kind of get things going. Maybe that's the same thing with London. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprising. And the fact that he's on a, a weaker offense is just kind of an, enough of a recipe for me to say, you know, I would rather look at somebody else. And I think Jen said that perfectly, that uh, is going to be on a better offense and someone that we know a little bit more about. And there's more clarity because right now we don't have that clarity with London. And quite honestly, there's some flags. I, I I'm with you. I'm kind of not buying anybody in Atlanta. I've, I've got, a, I've got like a, few shares of pits because i'm just curious um and then and then uh you know patterson and mariota occasionally but those receivers uh, london's too expensive and i i don't buy that edwards is going to be better than tate or that tate's going to be a, be better than zacchaeus i just I, I don't know what to do with that but um are we 
Are we ready, Jeff and Jen? Are we ready for the Panthers, Jen? Is it, yes. is it time? Can we do it? I think it's time, yes. I, the question is, Jeff, ready? Because you and I really have no, uh, you know. But I will, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and get us rolling here with the Panthers. We might as well start at the top. Uh, new quarterback, Baker Mayfield, which is very strange to say. But, yes, new quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You know, it's funny, right? The trade happens, and you just kind of are like, okay, it's Baker. And then all of a sudden, I'm seeing stuff on Twitter and social media about can he beat out Sam Darnold? And I'm thinking, what? Like, I didn't even know that was, like, an option. Like, I just assumed Baker was going to slide right in there. Is I mean, can Darnold beat him out? Like, is, do we actually have a QB competition? So, Carolina, I don't think wants Darnold to beat him out at all. But, you right? know, here, I mean, here's the thing. Darnold knows the offense. And Baker's like, yeah, I just passed a physical. Um, uh, Sir, uh, welcome to the Panthers. Here's your playbook. We start in two weeks. Right. So he's going to have to play catch up a little bit. And um, of course, Carolina is going to want him to understand and uh, uh, really kind of take the ball and run with it, literally. Um, and it's possible that in the, you know, the preseason, Darnold would be the starter just because he knows the offense a little bit more. Now, if that happens, is, is uh, media outlets going to go crazy? Oh, Darnold's got the job. What's this going on? Right. I mean, shoot. Baker Mayfield does not have a lot of time to learn that offense. And so I could see things kind of favoring Darnold, at least in the early on, until Mayfield gets that. Because when you compare the two, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've that I've looked at between um, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, because uh, they were both in the, the 2018 draft, first overall and third overall, um, the thing that, that kind of stands out to me is the touchdown to interception ratio that – uh, that that Baker has over Darnold. In fact, the inter- the touchdowns Baker had 92 touchdowns and he had 56 interceptions, and Darnold has 54 touchdowns and 53 interceptions, and that's a huge difference in my opinion. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are thinking, oh, with Baker under center, hey, look what look what DJ Moore can potentially do. I mean, this is arguably. And it, it, it has to be. This is the best quarterback in, in Baker Mayfield that Moore has ever played with. Think about it. You've got yeah. including college, honestly. Including yeah. college. <laughs> you, you've got you've got Cam Newton kind of in his uh, you know post-surgery arm falling off type of quarterback. Kyle Allen the year after that, Teddy Bridgewater in 2020, Sam Darnold in 2021, throw in uh I PJ like Teddy. W- <laughs> I like yeah. Teddy. I like Teddy I, too. I, I agree with you, but I do like Teddy. Right. Uh, you know, maybe some PJ Walker thrown in there, Will Greer, you know, I mean, nobody. I mean, Mayfield coming onto that team, if he can keep his like uh touchdown interception ratio up like where it was, I mean, we're probably looking at I mean, keep in mind, Carolina is a run first or a heavy run team, right? That's what they want to do. So we're probably looking best case scenario, Mayfield having 4,000 yards passing, maybe 24, 25 touchdown passes you know, at best in this offense. That's more run dominated, but still that's a, that's an improvement. If, if he does anything better than that, I think that DJ Moore is a potential top 10 wide receiver. Because the only thing missing from DJ Moore's resume that would make him elite is the touchdowns. He's never had more than four touchdowns in a season. And uh, here he is able to get uh, you know three consecutive years of 1,200 scrimmage yards, and no receiver has done that uh, active in the NFL. So, I mean, he's, he's one of the league's better receivers. He's just missing that elite 
plateau because of the touchdowns. And if if Baker can elevate that that side of the offense, then I think more is going to follow. And top ten is within the possibility of of outcomes. But we're probably looking at like a eighteen to twelve range for him. And I would say anything over better than that is is icing on the cake for DJ Moore. I mean, right now he's let's see, he's going. I think as wide receiver fifteen. Uh, on underdog, I think he, let's see. Yeah, he's going as wide receiver 15. His ADP is currently 31.6. So, you know, he's a he's a third rounder as, as wide receiver 15. So I guess that's right around where you're you're projecting him a little a little cheaper than, than where you're you're projecting him. Uh, and then, you know, we can't forget about Robbie Anderson. He kind of gets an upgrade, even though I guess he I don't know him and Sam, or him and Baker have some sort of beef or something, and I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, he apparently he apparently did not retire. He's on the team and he's super cheap, so I think that he's uh, he could be a good value. As we know with Robbie, he's you know he's a big play guy. So especially mm-hmm. in best ball, if you just park him on there at the end and he has a couple spike weeks, you're you're, you're loving it. Yep, Let's I agree have- with the best ball r- assessment r- there. The Robbie Baker thing is a Twitter manufactured thing. I don't know because, what that is. Because basically Robbie came out when there were trade rumors and was like, we don't need Baker Mayfield. We love Darnold. Like, that's basically what he said. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, like, there's, no, there's all, not. Yeah. He was just supporting say, his guy. Yeah, I will say the one thing I am bummed about with this whole thing is the, uh, the you know, the no more Baker commercials. That, that was honestly <laughs> my, my favorite part Those of Baker good. Mayfield, to be honest, was his commercials. So... I don't know if they're going to pick him up in, in Carolina and he gets a new home and he moves, or I don't know how that's going to work, but um, I'm, I'm really it. concerned about the Bojangles <laughs> 20. That's what I'm concerned because <laughs> when players show up in Charlotte, this is, this is a thing. I lived there for six years, um, close to Charlotte. And uh, you show up in Charlotte and you figure out that Bojangles exists. Suddenly <laughs> that becomes the thing. And the players end up uh, like Jake DeLome used to be a spokesman yeah. for, for Bojangles. And uh, which I'm convinced it's the grease that caused so many interceptions for Jake DeLome. <laughs> but I, I'm concerned because Baker Mayfield got there and he already is talking about Bojangles. And I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm just I'm just going to say I'm a little bit concerned about the Bojangles 20 happening this year. <laughs> it's I've possible. Never heard of the Bojangles 20. That's funny. Jen, um, have you ever had Bojangles before? I think so. I mean, I grew up in the South, so I mean, okay. I feel like I've, I mean, it's just like chicken, right? It's like Popeye's or churches. It's, a, or it's like a better Popeye's. Okay. Yeah. A Popeye's like, is more of a Cajun-y yeah. Louisiana style, right? right. And, and Bojangles is more Southern. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've had Bojangles somewhere along the, along the lines. <laughs> um, but I, it wasn't like anything that was super memorable to me. So I don't know, maybe I need to give it another whirl, but we don't have it out here. Yeah. Um, let's move on to McCaffrey. I mean, we might as well talk about, you know, the, 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 the moniker, the, the main guy there in Carolina. He's still pretty expensive. I mean, he's no longer the one, one, but uh, he is still uh, pricey. So let me see real quick. Uh, I don't know if he's fallen in recent days. Of I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him drop lower than fourth, unless I'm in a super flex. Draft. Um. Oh wow. Well, an underdog. They're saying he's his ADP is two three. I I've seen him go four five six. Uh, in in some of the oh, drafts. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Fourth is in the some, lowest I've seen him. I've seen him go in the in the in the middle in the middle part of the first round. I think a lot of people are nervous about his health. Uh, you know. Yeah. I, I assume yeah, Jeff, it's... you're 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 in. Well, I'm a I'm a big McCaffrey fan. Um, from a fantasy sense, I am I'm scared because I could see him having like one, two, maybe three good games, and then bam, something happens. 
And, uh, you know, we don't know if there's some sort of curse or, or what the heck's going on. But I mean, as far as McCaffrey is concerned, shoot, the guy can, can do it all. We, he's proven that he can be a, a good running back as well as a receiver. And it seems like Carolina is, is content with him doing whatever he can on the offense and giving him as many touches as they want. Now I'm hearing though, that that's going to change, but we've heard that before in the past. Um, you know, they, they brought in, they've got uh, Deontay Foreman who's coming in, who kind of took over from Derrick Henry when he had his Jones fracture last year, he did fairly well. And, and he did well enough to earn a contract with Carolina and maybe he steals some, some goal line touches and some scores, uh, but I mean, this is, this is still McCaffrey's team. My goodness. If, if he can, if he can play well, he's going to be a good fantasy, uh, option, right? So the question that I have is how many touchdowns is he going to get? How is, is this offense dictated by him or is it, or is he dictated by the offense? And, you know, if I say, if he has like over 10 touchdowns, I think that's good, but I mean, that's not like McCaffrey good. Um, but yeah, you still have to be concerned about his health. And I, I've always long wondered if, you know, he's like, you know, he's like 5'11", 204 pounds when he was drafted. And he worked like heck to get stronger and be more fit. And he's well conditioned. I'm wondering if like his workout process is is causing his, his muscles to, you know, strain. I'm not, I'm definitely not a doctor, but... Um, his muscles st- overstraining just the fact that he's working out so much. I mean, how many times have we seen players bulk up and then, you know, they cut their, their play kind of suffers as a result. And maybe McCaffrey just doesn't have that body type to withstand that. So, I mean, that's just kind of like a, a running theory that I have with him. I just, I would love to see him out there and playing and doing well. Um, but those soft tissue injuries are, 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 they're tough, man, especially when you have a hamstring injury and then you try to come back too soon on what's really kind of a four to six week injury. And he tried to come back at like week, week four and it just didn't happen for him. And then, you know, when you when you have a hamstring re-injury, it's worse the second time. And that's exactly what happened. And he's played 10 games in the last two years. That's a concern. And we're drafting him as if he's going to be the 2019 McCaffrey and I shoot. I just, I just don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic, but I still have some concerns as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to lose a league for the third year in a row in the right. first round with the same guy. Like I'm the same way. Like I love McCaffrey. I'm rooting for him and he's going to be the RB one or the RB 60. It just depends if he plays. Yeah. And I just, I just don't <laughs> trust it. If I get him in the third round, I'm all about taking him as my RB two, but obviously that's not happening. Yeah. So I'm out. <laughs> uh, so, I- uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say I- something real quick. Fun, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to give you a fun little McCaffrey fact. Uh, once again, old lady here, but uh, <laughs> I I played high school soccer with Christian McCaffrey's mother, uh, which oh. is pretty crazy that he's now in a league along with his brothers, and they're all you know men. Did, and, did she know Ed at the time? <laughs> no, she met Ed at Stanford. They, that was pre Ed. Okay. Yeah, this was pre. This was high school in in okay. South Florida. Um, I wasn't sure. I, I don't know Ed's history, so. <laughs> yeah, no. Ed Ed played football at Stanford. She played soccer at Stanford. That is where okay. they met. But I, I played I played uh, soccer with her in high school, and uh, it's crazy to see kind of the path that she ended up on, and that she ended up marrying Ed McCaffrey, and then had these ridiculous children that are all in the NFL. 
Uh, <laughs> I think actually that's not true. There's one that is still in uh, in college here in Colorado, and Ed is his coach in uh, in Greeley in Northern Colorado. He's the uh, he's the quarterback for that team, and Ed is the coach. Oh, cool. Nice. I'm sorry, Jeff. What were you going to say? I totally. So I was just going to talk a little bit more about the offensive line for Carolina because a lot of people are probably concerned, you know, about that when we're talking about the running game of Carolina and and the fact that this is uh, you know be a, a run heavy type of offense. How's the offensive line? Well, last year they had 13 different offensive line combinations, and yeah, that's a, that's a lot. And you know, this year, of course, at the draft, they they added some stability at left tackle. They got Iki Kwanu. They signed Bradley Bozeman at center, the the former uh, center at, at Baltimore. He's a good one. It's a good one, right? So mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, they added Austin Corbett yeah, at right guard, who was also a, a rookie with. Baker Mayfield in Cleveland in 2018. Yep. Um, and they also have Taylor Moten at right tackle. So there's a lot of improvements that have been made on this offensive line, but they're not there yet. And you know that offensive line, it takes a while for them to kind of to, to get that cohesion, to uh, work together with each other, to know what the other one's thinking and be able to find – uh, that necessary block when they need to, if there's a, a blitz or a stunt that they need to pick up, anything like that, right? So offensive lines that don't have a lot of experience with each other tend to kind of screw up some of those plays. So they they need more experience, but they're in they're headed in the right direction. And they also hired James Campin as, uh, as their offensive line coach. And he's someone who's respected a lot in the league. Uh, he's going to come in. He's going to make, uh, hopefully he makes the right decisions on, on you know who plays where and backups and just making sure that that line is intact and strong because Matt Rule has long said we're going to run the football and uh, you know that's great news for Christian McCaffrey of course if he can stay healthy but uh, the fact that the offensive line has been shored up that's a fairly decent sign they just need to get that cohesion they need to get those games that experience together with each other I think to really make a difference I'm with you you know I, I people. Talk about the Carolina offensive line like it stinks. I'm like, I, I only see one hole on that. That they had one good player on the line last year. Now they have four. Like they made serious. And, and you're right, cohesion matters. But mm-hmm. uh, and then they bring in Ben McAdoo, who like, I mean, Ben McAdoo has his issues. But one thing he's good at is devising schemes. So the ball gets out of the quarterback's hands quickly. Fast, yeah. And I, I think he's going to be able to develop an offense that helps that. It's one of the reasons that line and that offense, why I'm buying Deontay Foreman. I'm buying Deontay Foreman late because I worry about McCaffrey's health. I think that they do want to limit his workload. And Foreman was productive enough last year that I think he can put up RB2 numbers if McCaffrey gets hurt, maybe even fringe RB1. So uh, I'm with you, Jeff. I'm glad you brought up the line because I see that as a narrative a lot and it's just I don't think it's true I think by midseason this line is going to be at least an above average group yeah I mean that's it's definitely possible they're they're not quite there yet I would say they're maybe like mid-20s in terms of an offensive line ranking which sounds kind of bad but they just need that time together and I think that's what they're 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 striving for and I think the the improvements at offensive line coach I think I think that'll help get them there and you know that that's good news for the for the run game so do we need to talk about Tommy Tremble Jen I don't know no yeah, we can skip Tommy Tremble. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like the talent. No. You guys want to know a fact? I, I actually I, I brought a fact with me about the Carolina tight end room. Um, one tight end had more than three catches last year, and it wasn't Tremble. <laughs> it, it was Ian Thomas. And it, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, 
Carolina has been like bottom five, maybe yeah. even bottom four in, in tight end receptions over the last like three years. Yeah. And definitely never... in the Matt Rule era. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, I like Tremble. He's going to be on the field a lot because he can block. And he both has are great blockers. Hands. He and Thomas are both great blockers. Yeah, he's, he has decent hands, but you know, like I said before, this is a running team, and you know he'll he'll be out there. He'll make, be making plays, but I don't see him as like a you know a tight end that can make a difference as, yeah, as, a, as a fantasy I, appeal. I never even consider Carolina for for tight end for fantasy purposes. The last couple of years, it's just it just kind of like next, you know. Yeah. I just, Since Olson left. Just, does it? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Olson obviously was was the the man, and then now it's just mm-hmm. kind of, I just kind of you know put that to the side and move on to the next team. Yeah, I agree. Just checking. Let's uh, speaking let's, of, we should probably move to the next team. Yeah, let's move to the next team. We're running long already, and we yeah. appreciate Jeff's time. So let's talk. Sorry, I'm winded. No, no, no. It's <laughs> hey, you're replacing Chris. It would take a lot to be more more winded than Chris. <laughs> this is okay. uh, this is our, our show. We always run a little long. So, uh, Tom Brady. Let's start at the top. Tom Brady uh, decides to come back after briefly retiring and getting my hopes up. But he, uh, long time Tom Brady hater. Uh, but it's sports hate. If he was a <laughs> dolphin, I'd love him. But. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um is the volume gonna be there uh jeff uh, that's the thing with tom like he was great fantasy wise last year because he led the league in pass attempts and was yeah. super efficient in that way and had a great receiver room is the volume gonna be there this year with todd Bowles taking over to head coach well i don't think that five thousand yards passing is gonna be in the cards for brady i, I don't see that I, I mean we're not touching 700 attempts again <laughs> Um, no running back even had more than 180 carries last year for the Bucks. I mean, they just didn't run the ball much at all. And it was all Brady and throwing. And, and this is the Tom Brady who said, Oh, I, 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 I'm just now learning the offense, which is insane to think <laughs> about. Right. But, um, I, I, they have to run the ball more. And I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to see Leonard for I shoot talk about a guy in the news right now. Uh, yeah. Le- Leonard Fournette, who's you know he's going to be upwards of 200 carries. Uh, I think we're going to see some from Rashad White as well. Um, maybe more as a receiver if he gets that opportunity as a rookie in a Tom Brady offense. Yeah, maybe he's got to earn his stripes first. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as Brady is concerned, shoot, I don't know. I I don't think he I don't think he gets 5,000 yards passing this year. I mean, he's 45 freaking years old, and <laughs> we haven't seen him like we haven't seen a chink in the armor yet which is crazy it's like when's this gonna happen and uh shoot i don't know i hate to bet against brady but at some point i mean he he can't do five thousand yards as a 45 year old can he i i I, they have to run the ball more don't they (laughs) you would i hope he does because i just drafted him in scott fishbowl (laughs) (laughs) there you go right I almost didn't. And then I'm like, you can't, bet. I, it's just hard to bet against the guy. I feel like at some point, right. He has to turn back into a human man as opposed to the robot. <laughs> I keep saying that. He's got to turn back into the real boy, you know, Pinocchio, whatever it is. Uh, you know, he's 45. I mean, that's just yeah. insanity to me what he does, but at the same yeah. time, um, you know, I'm hoping he's got another year left in him because I've, I've invested in him and I've invested in um, a lot of those weapons this season. So you know, Even a down know. year, you're looking at 4,800 yards, 35 touchdown passes. Don't worry about the rushing yards, right? But he'll probably have like one or two touchdowns rushing. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah, to me, like the know. crazy thing, it's like Mike Evans, right? It's like people every year would like to count out Mike Evans, right? 
Mike Evans has had eight years straight with a thousand plus receiving yards. He has never played in the NFL without eclipsing a thousand receiving yards. Like that's insane. And then people just every year, Oh, he gets hurt. Well, he still manages to, you know, so um, I, you know, I've invested in him this year. I've taken a lot of Mike Evans in, in the second round. If, if I'm kind of, you know, in drafting from, from the, the early part, I'll take someone in the beginning and then come back around and, and grab Evans. Uh, I feel like, you know, the, all the guy does is, is produce. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still on board with him. This is the first year in a long time where Mike Evans is being drafted with some capital because uh, he is going second round. And and I'm with you, Jen. I think he's worth it. I think he's going to have another great season. I think he's going to find the end zone more uh, yeah. this year and is, is, is going to just get loaded up on targets. Uh, at what point, Jen, is Chris Godwin worth the draft investment because you know right now i'm seeing him ranked in like the wide receiver 60 range uh over at four for four and he's being drafted higher than that and i worry about chris godwin because we don't know how much time he's gonna miss at what point what's your inflection point on this is where chris godwin the risk is worth the reward i for me i've kind of just stayed away altogether I, i you know i think if he if he drops to that wide receiver 60 range, which I don't think he will. I think the name people just are, you know, he's on an offense with Tom Brady. He's had a couple, you know, decent seasons. I think people just kind of the recency bias of, of years past kind of takes over and people just draft him regardless. Uh, I personally am not like, like we talked about earlier, I'd rather draft Russell Gage all day long than invest in Godwin. So I feel like Gage is in a really good spot that if he, you know, if he gets off to a great start, Brady, you know, Brady's got his guy, right? Why he's not going to go back and he's not going to not target Russell Gage if Russell Gage is making those plays for him. So um, for me, Godwin is a pass unless he falls really far, but he doesn't. I mean, I feel like in all these underdog drafts really and in other drafts, people just seem to take him anyway. And, and I just, for me, it's, it's uh, yeah, he's a, he's a pass. Yeah. For me, he is too. Uh, just, I'm concerned. I mean, he had surgery in early January and what is it normally nine months or so, right? That, that So we're talking about September and that's with like no setbacks whatsoever, any kind of setback, a hamstring or a calf or anything like that. And you're probably looking at maybe pup. Um, but it, for, it looks like he won't be ready to play maybe until October. And you know, you, you've got to, it's almost like he's, he's got a suspension and you got to factor that into his draft, but there's more, uncertainty there so it's very possible that gage could have more catches than godwin this year if if he's not able to one come back at a timely manner and two be at the level that he was last year even though this is tom brady offense i just think that there's uh, there's too many hmm, just uncertain questions there with godwin i'm kind of not i'm not really even buying the dip because someone buys him before i have a have a thought of him being a value and yep. g- gauge the slots, a slot in Tom Brady's offense that does pretty well. And I, from what I understand, he asked for Russell gauge. Uh, he asked the, the bucks to sign him. Interesting. And uh, you know, that's, yeah, that is interesting. I don't know who, who, if they talked, if someone said, Hey, get gauge or whatever it might be. Maybe he saw him with Atlanta and he was like, Hey, you know what? This guy, if we ever get an opportunity or a chance or whatever, who knows? Maybe he sees something in him that he saw in uh, Edelman or in Welker or, you know, something like that. Right. So there's a possibility that Russell Gage could be like a huge surprise this year. If indeed there's a reason why Tom Brady wanted him on that team. So 
something to consider there. I'm, I'm kind of strong on Gage, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he outproduces Godwin this year. He, uh, you know, wide receiver three has been pretty lucrative with Tom Brady in Tampa. So Antonio Brown put up good numbers there, even mm-hmm. when Godwin was healthy. I'm with you. I think Gage, even though he's been a little uh, disappointing when he's gotten the opportunities in Atlanta, this is a different offense and different opportunity for him. I'm kind of with you, the 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 price that it's cost. Let's talk. Uh, I, I think we could skip Cameron Bright. Does anyone have a Cameron Bright? I I do want to say though I think that if you went tight end by committee and got Brayton and K Dotton I think that's not a bad move at all. Sure. Especially if it's like your tight end three by committee and maybe one of them hits, well then you got both of them. And I'm you know I'm talking like a you know a best ball that has like you know 22 28 rounds um, that you can play with. Uh, that's that's not a bad investment for low risk. You know what I mean? Sure, I definitely have some best ball lineups with Bright and Gerald Everett and you know Noah Fant. Like I have like three uh, late guys. I definitely have that. What were you gonna say, Jen? I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say that. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I think that a lot of people <clears throat> kind of when Gronk retired were like, okay, Bright direct replacement, and I don't know that that's gonna be the case. Right. I mean, I'm not sold that Gronk's not gonna show up later on <sighs> in the season when they're making a playoff run. Like I'm not sold that he's not gonna well, all of a sudden Brady's you, gonna did... talk him back into it. <laughs> Did you see the news that uh, came out recently? I think he said, even if Brady calls, I'm still, I'm staying retired. Ah, so yeah, I'm not confident. Right, well, somebody doesn't show up though. I mean, Jared cook's still right. out there. He hasn't officially retired. <laughs> uh, Kyle Rudolph's out there. I'm not confident that somebody won't come in, but we'll see. Yeah, um, right. What, what about Austin guy, Zafari and Jenkins? Austin, yeah. <laughs> I the love him, He's still man. Alive, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I've always loved him. I've, he I've, knows the stadium. <laughs> right? He does. He definitely does. <laughs> uh, last thing real quick. So we talked about Fournette a little bit. Um, it sounds like we're all in agreement that uh, the, the weight stuff is overblown. He's going to get a workload. And he's worth uh, worth going after. Uh, those other guys, Rashad White, uh, Kashan Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, Jeff, are you interested in any of those uh, ancillary running backs for any reason? I kind of am interested in Rashad White just because the, they, they want him to be the pass catching back. And they don't really have anyone other than Gio Bernard. But Gio Bernard might be like the coach on the field. He might be the guy that, hey, this is how it's done, rookie. You know, uh, here, let me show you. But then, you know, he never gets like a lot of playing time. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of like the old man who who, who teaches the way. Um, you doubt his Haslam for the heat. <laughs> <laughs> He's just always there. <laughs> Good one, right? So I could see White having some sort of a, a role that he carves out for himself, but it might take a little bit of time for him to get there. And we know that any running back in Tom Brady's offense has got to be, you know, he's got to know his stuff. So if if there's any kind of uh, uncertainty there with with White, then yeah, maybe he it takes him a little bit longer to uh, you know to get necessary snaps and stuff for him to have some fantasy appeal, but. The, the potential is there, and I think that's sort of where we're drafting him, right? Is our RB5 or or maybe yep. four? That might be a little high, but RB5, I think. And why not? It's it's a possibility on an offense that could take off. And if Fournette gets hurt, who knows what they're going to do at, at running back. So it's, he's an option. I'm kind of with you. I have either him or Kashawn Vaughn on a lot of rest, uh, a lot of rosters, just in case. Yeah, right. Just in case something in, comes in, along. In case of emergency, break glass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, we won't take up any more of your time. Do you have any uh, last thoughts or anything you want to plug before we go? 
Uh, no, not, not really. Just, you know, I'm, as far as content wise, you know, I'm, I'm doing all my content at footballguys.com. And uh, right now that we're, we're kind of getting things into motion with more articles pumping out as we get closer to August. And I got one thing that I'm, I'm doing right now, which is a project on uh, redraft strategy, kind of a QA collaborative piece with the staff members there. So that's coming. Oh, that so sounds uh, like fun. Yeah, it's kind of all about strategies and uh, some, you know, some might be player eval and some might be more general overall strategies of drafting. So uh, that's coming and I'll be leading that. Um, So, yeah, I've got that project I'm working on here in the next week or two. Excellent. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. Jen, always a pleasure. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Jeff Hazley, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for checking this out. Have a good day.